welcome everyone. My name is Will Heron. I'm the director of Discipleship at the Ridge, and I'm also your host for Beyond the Sermon. And with me today, I have Ridge Lead Pastor Mike Van Rees. Mike, welcome back to the studio. Yeah, thanks, Will. Yes, always good to have you. Uh, looking forward to our conversation as we continue in the book of Malachi. Uh, this past Sunday, you had us in chapter 2, verses 10 to 16, which largely hones in on the topic of marriage and faithfulness to God, which, as just thinking about marriage, Mike, it brought to mind a, a Pew Research study done a few years ago, which eliminated some interesting statistics around people's view on marriage in the United States. So let me just share a couple here. So 69% of those polled said they felt like it was acceptable for people to live together, even if they didn't plan to get married. 46% said that couples are just as well off not getting married if they want to stay together long term. And others might argue that having a wedding is expensive, uh, you know, that they don't need a ceremony and a piece of paper to validate their relationship. And I'm sure there's other statistics that maybe come to mind for you as well, Mike, around marriage and perception of marriage. So how would you go about responding to that, to those statistics? You know, why do you think marriage is, is so important? I think it's interesting because living together, it's popular. It's a common thing to do today. And I think that in some senses, it, it makes sense. It seems like a rational thing to do. We can come up with some pretty logical reasons to say, hey, this is the reason behind doing this. You know, an example would be there are a lot of people who want to just test it out. You know, before we commit, before we fully get into the the whole legality of marriage, I want to give it a test run. And part of that is okay to say, well, I don't want to do this out of you know, fear. I've, I had divorce. I don't want that to happen in my generation. So some of the reasons behind that do seem to have some validity to do it. The big issue is well, it ignores the facts, um, mm. ignores biblical teaching, and the facts support biblical teaching on that. And I mean, facts, I have a few of them that uh, I'll, I'll share with you. One, Psychology Today uh, reported this. It's a finding of a Yale University study that says people who live together before marriage have higher separation and divorce rates. Uh, cohabiting women, 80% more likely to separate or divorce than women who had not lived with their spouse before marriage. Wow. Big numbers. And that's that is big. Yale. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's coming from a, a secular source. There's there's more. The National Council on Family did a study and found out that those who cohabitated were less happy in their marriages. Mm-hmm. Um, just looking at marital satisfaction, that was a variable that kind of did stand out to them. Another one, National Center for Health Statistics, um, found that those who are sexually active before marriage are much more likely to divorce, 60%. Uh, more likely. So wow. th- there's studies and there are facts that are out there that do show the, the common trend, even though there may be reasons we could say, hey, it makes sense to do this. It's convenient. Don't want to go down the divorce road. There are big, maybe some of them will be kind of hidden pieces to that, that I think really supports what God teaches. And the origin of marriage is we see, well, it's come from the Bible. It's been around for a long time. His idea. He was the one who thought of it. He was the one who created it. And his plan was unity. Um, mm. The words that are used in Genesis when it's, you know, man and woman coming together, it's united. Same word that's used for the Trinity. Um, mm. So that's very significant to be able to say it's more than just living in proximity with each other. God's idea of marriage is literally to become more than just the one. There, there's something bigger that takes place with that. 
And what we see here in the passage that we were looking at this week that I found just fascinating with Malachi is the emphasis on marriage being a covenant. He just drills that piece home. It's a covenant, it's a covenant, it's a covenant. And covenant is found throughout the Old Testament. It's really cool how he applies that to marriage here, because again, it's language of trinity, it's language of unity, um, uh, of oneness. I would say a contract really comes from the perspective of maybe our modern approach to relationships, and that is gauging, well, what does this do for me? Mm. You know, Is this fill in my cup? Is this doing what I want? Is it helping me be the person that I want to be? It's really me-centered, me-focused. That's a contract. Covenant is just a different way of approaching relationship, and that is what the Bible is putting out before us, saying, well, that's what marriage is in a covenant. It's not just about focusing on me and what I want and how is this working for me. It's about focusing on we. And maybe the easiest way to focus on we is to focus on them or the other, uh, because mm-hmm. we're not as inclined to do that. But recognizing that is God's purpose. That's what God's talking about when he's talking about a marriage. You know, I think just thinking back to what you were saying about people's intentions and maybe why they would want to to live together before, you know, making that that commitment, you know, there is a large part of of love. I, I actually think that people don't think of that really is commitment. You know, I once heard somebody say that actually when you get married to somebody, you're going to be married to about seven different people probably over the course of your life. <laughs> yeah, and, change. You know, lots of change, lots of different seasons, and you hope hopefully that's progressively good. But you go through a lot of different seasons together, and, you know, commitment is a huge part of that. That's part of the covenant, of making a covenant together and being committed to each other. Now, hopefully, when you're coming to decide on a spouse, and we'll talk about this in a minute, but at some point, I think God calls us to making that commitment. You know, we can't wait for all the ducks to be in a row. Like that's part of what the wedding day is, is, is a promise. And you know what I mean? You can't have all your T's crossed and your I's dotted at that point. Do you know what I mean? And I think just sometimes I wonder whether people are, are really trying to do that, you know, and, and we need to make sure everything, this is really, really going to work out. Whereas I just I think there is a step of faith when it comes to marriage as well, with God's help, that we can be faithful to the covenant that we make, not only to him, but obviously to our, our spouse. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, and you know, one advantage God has that we don't, he's all-knowing. Mm. You know, and so we aren't. And so when you're standing there at the altar, you don't know um, everything that's going to happen and all the twists and turns that life is going to take. But I do think that's by design um, to realize, no, you don't. It does require faith. I agree with you. Right. I think that's really um, a true insight. Yeah, well, just continuing that thought in terms of choosing a spouse, that was one area of your, your message that you talked about that. And the Bible speaks about choosing a spouse as a fellow believer. And, you know, Mike, there can be, we can have lots of differing opinions on things within our marriage, with our spouse, it's almost to be expected. We can't agree on everything. But why do you think consensus on Jesus is is essential for a healthy marriage? I'll say this. I think sometimes God maybe gets a little bit of a bad rap on this one with, oh, you know, well, he's narrow. Who's he to tell me who I need to have a relationship with? Notice, though, when it comes to picking a spouse, I don't think God's narrow at all. He's basically throwing the doors wide open, lots of freedom. He's just saying there's just one thing. 
for, for me, God's like, there's just one thing. I just got one requirement. And beyond that, you know, there's really quite a lot of opportunity is one requirement. They need to be a follower of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that is said a few times throughout the scripture. He's just given us one piece of guidance. And I think, you know, when it comes to choosing, we all have differences. And there's a lot of differences that in the grand scope of things aren't deal breakers. You know, Sarah, my wife, she's an extrovert. I'm not. I'm an introvert. Um, We're different. So we got to figure out how do we handle that? How do we work through that when maybe we're at different places on on what fills our tanks? Um, Those differences are things that you can still have compatibility with. This one, the one about being a follower of Jesus or not, it's so much bigger than that because that one's really about an entire worldview filtering everything and all of life through that. So I think when it comes to picking a spouse, God allows a lot of freedom, but the one area of following, being a follower of Jesus, is specific because as he's saying, this one is so big, it's a worldview that it affects everything. You know, it makes me think about the fact that we are all being led by something or someone we're all being influenced by something or someone. And when you become a follower of Jesus, really Jesus becomes the greatest influence, the greatest leader in your life. And I think it's very hard to have the most intimate relationship on the planet with someone who does not share that. Literally, they are orbiting around another sun, essentially, mm-hmm. or another star. Right. They've got pulled into to that, and that is the center of the world. And that thing is having the biggest influence on them, and it influences how they use their time and their money and what their relationships look like and all those kind of things. I just yeah. think, when I think about the amount of the mind that goes through our relationship with God and counsel with Him and leadership with Him, You know, whether it's to do with our kids or our finance, our future, our health, uh, you know, how we use our time, what we watch, what we don't watch, all those kind of things. I mean, it all filters through our relationship with God. He's literally central. And I think that's part of what God is getting at. It's a protective measure and saying, this, this is, this cannot work very well. There are some limitations uh, that, that come with it. I think, you know, some of the things that I find really valuable in being married to somebody who is a follower of Jesus, things like we're submitting our lives to the same authority. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not just the two of us. There is that third piece of it where well, there's an accountability there. Um, it's not just, oh, you know, I'm doing something that's bugging her. It's, am I really living under the authority of the Lord? So there's that whole nother level, I think, that gives us the same values and has an authority outside of us that we're both moving uh, moving toward that filter a lot of different things through it. And some of the big ones when it comes to um, challenges in marriage finances, well, the biblical worldview does speak into that. And if you're at two very dis- different places on that, you're only going to exasperate the challenges Um that, that come around with finances. I think conflict resolution, again, another big one when it comes to challenges in marriages, uh, what we would say as followers of Jesus is, well, all of us are sinners. Right? We, we, we're all going to make mistakes and mess up. What do we do? How do we handle that? Well, Jesus is our model and the model of forgiveness 
Um, and that is going to need to be an important part of a marriage relationship. And if we're followers of Jesus, then it can be just an overflow from the forgiveness that we've received. Um, a lot of things that get into some of the biggest um, liabilities and challenges was with marriages that if we are followers of Jesus, it does at least put us on the same page. And I love that. I hadn't really thought about that. It puts us on the same page of how we even treat one another, you know, of what a husband and a wife is, because obviously the Bible has a lot to say about that in terms of teaching. And so once you're getting on the same page of that, there is there's a design in there in terms of how husband and wife work together and in relationship with one another. And again, if we're not on the same page of that, that can that can cause some tensions. Yeah. And in Malachi, he flat out brings up the issue of kids. Right. Um, and that is one of the reasons Malachi names that one and says, well, one of our roles, and not everybody is in the situation where, you know, God gives children, but for those who are, the role of the parents, well, it's to raise them to be able to know who God is and to follow Jesus. And he says, well, that is one of your roles. That's going to be really challenging to do if you're not both sharing Jesus as your Lord and Savior. How do you do that? What does it look like? Well, hey, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to this Beyond the Sermon episode. You know, I'm so grateful for the many ways God has given us to grow in relationship with Him. And one of the most formative spaces we can experience in our walk with Him is in community with other believers. And at The Ridge, we have a variety of community groups filled with people earnestly seeking to follow Jesus in their everyday lives. So I want to encourage you, if you're not connected into a group, why not click the Connect tab at ridgelife.org and learn more. You can also find the link in our podcast show notes. Now back to my conversation with Pastor Mike. Mike, you've been married for about 27 years. You have married a lot of different couples. You've counseled them as well. Uh, in those wedding ceremonies, you've given a ton of like little messages for, for couples, you know. What are some of the basic things that you generally coach people in as they enter into marriage and saying, man, put this in place first in your marriage? Yeah, and this is maybe even a better place to be able to share that because during a wedding ceremony, a lot of times, bride and groom, they're not really listening. <laughs> you know, Let's be honest about I, yep, it. <laughs> I know that. I see that. I get that. I've been there. Um, right. There's a lot of other things that are going on. Um, a lot of play- ways to go with this. You know, Will, I'll maybe take a page out of your book and say I'll share Three C's. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Can, can I do that? Yes. I'll pull, pull a wheel here. And yes. Three C's, it would be for me, Christianity, communication, and conflict. Mm. Um, with, with the Christianity, we've talked a lot about that one even, even in our time here right, in this podcast, right. but individually, it's not just believing. I think it's pursuing and being in That's relationship good. Good. Uh, with the Lord. And so one, on an individual basis— Hugely important. And then also, I would say, as a couple, um, what does that look like? How are we bringing our spiritual lives together? So mm. one is you know the, the Christianity part. Second, with communication. And again, you hear this all the time about how important and how foundational that is for relationships. And it is. But I'd maybe add to that that it's really two words when we say communication. It's not just talking. Uh, when we talk about communication, I think maybe even a better word than talking is sharing, and sharing not just facts, but sharing emotions, not just here's the events that took place today, but here's how that made me feel, here's how I'm doing, here's what's going on inside of me, 
that kind of sharing where you really exchange what's going on inside of you, that's very vital to communication. And the flip side to that is communication isn't just sharing, it's also listening. And so when uh, your your spouse does share something, it's not a, a time to reflect back and then just jump into what you're experiencing, but there's time to draw that out, give them mm. some space, ask them some questions uh, so that they they can process that. But communication talk is sharing, listening, vital to relationships. Conflict resolution would be the other one that I throw in there and need to be able to work through things. It happens. It's going to happen. Even the best marriages are going to have places where you have friction and there are different ways that we deal with conflict. Some have backgrounds where you just blow up. Some have a, a tendency to bottle things. Some just hold it inside and just have a really slow burn. So to get on the same page and say, how are we going to do this? Um, how are we going to navigate these conflicts with each other? Sarah and I, it's been kind of trial and error. You know, I think we've come to a point where now we know and are in more of a rhythm of how we have conflict. I would say we came from a perspective where I tended to um, want to pick apart and digest every little thing that happened that was not healthy. Mm. Um, and she was probably from the other end where let it go, you know, bottle it. Maybe we'll deal with it sometime later. There's a happy medium in there. Right. Um, I don't think there's a blueprint for all couples, uh, but just for you and your particular couple to say, what does that look like? And it's easier to talk about conflict resolution when you're not in it. So during a time when you're not conflicted with each other, just talk through maybe a previous conflict resolution. What does that look like? Ideally, what would it look like for us to be able to navigate some of these things? Um, so that one's huge. I'll throw in one more just because uh, I Is like this it. Is another C? It's not another C. <laughs> maybe you can work it to be another C. Fun. Is there a C for that? Uh, comical. Yeah. Com yeah okay. Comical fun. You can go with that. <laughs> but I think that, that that's an important thing too. That yes. It's, it's not a business. It's not some kind of relationship that way. God created us to enjoy each other and to enjoy the relationships that we have. Um, so have fun with it. You know, find ways to be able to, whether it's dating each other or finding common activities that you joy, enjoy. One of God's reasons for, for giving us um, spouses and relationships is to give us delight, to give us joy, to be able to, get, to, to let us have fun with each other. And I want to just say, this might sound obvious, Mike, but I just would also encourage people, like, just be intentional. Like, don't forget about your relationship and working at your relationship. I think maybe I'm just speaking from, like, our season of life with young kids, but it's easy to let your relationship coast and especially when there's so many other things that demand your attention and your ability to work at those things. And especially when you have kids, I think as well, you're looking to work at those relationships as well and be intentional. Mm -hmm. And it's easy just to let your marriage kind of coast, I think. And and I would say Bridget and I have had to be intentional about that, you know, because if you don't, you're like passing ships essentially. But we've had to be intentional and are trying to be even more intentional about having things, you know, in the calendar mm -hmm. uh, that, uh, yeah, that you can have that time together to be able to share, to be able to watch a movie together, you know, that kind of thing. Because 
You can't forget that your household started with the two of you. Yeah, that's right. And we we sometimes remind the kids of that, <laughs> that it started with us. And But it also, that's how God has set up the home, is that foundation of the healthy marriage. It's almost, I say sometimes to people, you know, your marriage is what your kids are planted into. You got to be intentional and remember that any relationship needs to be worked at. You know, I can't uh, verify 100% the factuality of this statement, but I've heard it, so I'll share it. I have heard that the uh, the greatest time when divorces are happening is empty nest. Whether that's the number one time or whether it's a growing uh, right. stage, yep. not the most important thing. The reality is, it's a very much of a danger point. Um, mm. And I think it is because of what you talk about. It is easy just to coast when you get kids and little ones and have all of life just kind of revolve around them and their activities. And you're just going here, there and everywhere and being a good parent. Mm -hmm. um, that's not a, a bad thing. But if you're not focusing on that relationship with the spouse, what, so what happens is eventually the kids aren't there anymore. And I've had conversations with, with people who come to me and say, I don't, I don't know her. We we have grown so apart uh, through these years that I don't even know what a relationship looks like with without the kids mm. around. Wow, yeah, it's important for us to be to be mindful of that, and that's part of I think what we we want to do is kind of raise awareness of those things. So you don't end up in in spaces like that. Well, Mike, thank you again for your for your time today. Just always appreciate uh, the space together and looking forward to the next few weeks as we continue through the book of Malachi. And thank you for listening. We hope you'll join us next time on Beyond the Sermon.